Good morning, everyone. Uh, I want to welcome everybody that's here, of course, and those of you who will be watching on our YouTube channel and somewhere in the near future, I hope. Um, I'm Pastor John, and I want to clarify something real quick. Um, David, is it possible you could put that slide on that says um, we have an enemy? Is that what's up now? Oh, yeah, there it is right there. I want to clarify something. I am not the enemy. <laughs> I saw that slide this morning, and I thought, oh, my goodness, they're going to think that I'm the enemy. <laughs> I'm not, I hope. I hope I am your friend. Um, very good. I just, that just took me <laughs> this morning. I had to make sure that you guys knew that. We've been talking about the enemy, haven't we? We've been talking about the world and how the world can be our enemy. We've been talking about our flesh, ourselves can be that enemy. Um, and then last week, Nick did a great job of actually pointing out the leader of the, the band, which is the devil or Satan himself. Um, so if you want to get your Bibles uh, opened up to uh, the book of Ephesians, um, chapter 6, we're going to talk about a few things that will maybe clarify some things for us today, how we are going to be able to stand a great, against this great foe because the enemy is real. We've been pointing that out to you. Uh, we know these enemies, they attack from all sides. It seems like some days are worse than others, of course. But uh, have you ever asked yourself the question, why is the enemy attacking me? Little old me, why does the en enemy want to take me down? What did I do? What um, is the enemy really trying to keep me from? How do I defend against these attacks? Uh, I'm sure you've all felt the attacks of the enemy or maybe didn't really realize what they are, but they're real, right? Um, but have you ever asked yourself any of these questions? Uh, today we're going to kind of dive in a little bit, I hope, and hopefully we can answer some of those questions for you uh, if you don't already know, but maybe encourage you in a, in a way that you just need that encouragement today. Maybe it's this week uh, that the enemy uh, launched a full-blown attack on you and, and uh, you need that encouragement. So. Let's pray and look to the Lord to uh, encourage us through our time here today. Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for not letting us stay far from you, that you desired a relationship with us once again, even though we fell into sin. Uh, Lord, just um, thank you for Jesus, and thank you for what he means to us as believers, what he means to us uh, for our salvation and our eternity. Uh, we can't thank you enough, Lord, but today we want to praise you with our attention to the scriptures and uh, how we can defend against our enemy. Please help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 10 uh, and work our way through a few things today. So let's read. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
Um, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus is coming to a close here. We're nearing the end of this letter. And in this, uh, he first addresses the church or as the brethren. That's who he addresses. Uh, the brethren, of course, are those who have put their faith in Christ and have been adopted into the family of God. So that's who he's addressing here. Um, but just being adopted in the family isn't the only thing. Um, it makes you a soldier. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, he uses all this military language, in, not only in the verse we're, we're, we just looked at, but in the ones that we're going to talk about um, later in the day. Uh, terms like strong and power and might and armor, these are all military terms. And Paul uses this soldier metaphor, in a sense, to help us understand um, some things about the enemy and our position in the army. Um, he uses this illustration in other places in Scripture, too. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.3 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So he uses it in uh, encouraging Timothy to stay strong. Uh, in his letter to the Philippians, Paul addresses um, them there as well. And in uh, Philippians 2.5, he says this, Yet I consider it necessary to send you, Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my deed. Undoubtedly, Paul is using the soldier uh, metaphor here to help us, them, and us today understand that we are soldiers. And uh, soldiers are usually there in any country or any way like that to protect people, but also to um, engage in battle. And we're going to see that today. Um, when you committed your life to Christ, you automatically get entered into the army. Uh, you're a soldier, automatically. The day you trusted him with your life, you are a soldier. Um, and whether you like it or not, you engage in battle almost immediately. Um, it's funny that how many people of, many, maybe many of us thought that we, when we come to Christ, that, you know, whoo, I'm tired of fighting the world. I'm, I'm going to come to Christ because I am tired of fighting on my own. I need Jesus. Invite him into your life. You become a child of God and only to find out that the battle just started. And it does, doesn't it? So if you're thinking that you were uh, kind of came to Christ so that everything would be squeaky clean uh, and all good, uh, you were mistaken. Uh, it's, you're going to fight. And, uh, but it's not uh, a, a fight that is not won in the end. And we'll talk about that some more too. Um, Maybe even one of the areas of Scripture that helped you understand the, that the, the war has been won uh, is 1 Corinthians 15.55. He says there, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you're absolutely correct. 
The war has already been won. Jesus did that uh, the day he went to the cross. The day that he conquered death, hell, and the grave was the day that he shed his blood for you and for me. Um, but the war or the battle really is for you and me is that the day we committed to Christ, we became a child of God, but we went from being an enemy of God to being a child of God or a soldier in the, in the war. So Satan doesn't like this. Nick touched this on this uh, last week. Satan does not like it that he just lost you the day you came to Christ. And he knows, Satan's not a dummy, he knows the scriptures, he knows that the war has already been won. But there are battles with the Christian and Satan and the enemy from the time that we come to know Christ all the way till Jesus takes us home or he comes to get us. So we're always in this battle. And the enemy's job, um, he doesn't like it that he lost you. He doesn't like that. And so he's going to make your life miserable from now till then. But even more importantly, he tries to get you to be on the inactive duty list. When, if we're going to talk about soldier terms and things like that, uh, he wants nothing more than you to be in, on inactive duty. Uh, so that's why he is at attacking you. He wants you to be of no use to God. And unfortunately, sometimes he's successful in that. If you are a Christian, you are on active duty. So two primary things that we are as Christians when we're on active duty. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, so-called the Great Commission, we've labeled it that. And I like that in the sense of I'm a commissioned um, soldier in the army. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, thank you Jesus, even to the end of the age, amen. So we have two things that we are, we are or primary objectives of soldiers in God's army. We are to uh, make disciples or enlist soldiers, other soldiers, and teach disciples or train other soldiers. Uh, and this is where the enemy attacks. He doesn't want you doing that. He doesn't want you enlisting anybody else. He doesn't want you sharing the gospel with your neighbors or your friends or your co-workers. And, and worse yet, he doesn't want you training them up in the ways of Jesus. Um, sadly, however, though, many of us as Christians decide to place ourselves on inactive duty. Uh, and this can happen in a number of ways. First, one way is uh, we try to fight the enemy on our own strength. Uh, there's no better way uh, to put yourself on the inactive duty list than to think you can do this fight on your own. Um, Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Uh, too many times we, you know, we're, we're trying to fight these battles and the, be strong in John's power, in John's might, and put your name in the blank there. 
we try to start out our day so often and not even be um, in consideration that we're in a battle or that we're soldiers, and we just set out on our own for the day in the power of our own strength, and we put ourselves on the inactive duty list by doing so. Uh, next, soldiers can decide not to enter uh, combat at all. Um, Paul addresses many things in his uh, letter to the Ephesian church. Um, he challenges uh, many of them in this letter. If you've ever read the letter of, uh, to the Ephesians, he challenges them to walk in unity, to walk in love, to walk in light, to walk in wisdom. Um, have you ever noticed that when you begin to walk with the Lord or walk according to God's plan, um, that's where the battle seems to start? Uh, it's not a coincidence. The enemy doesn't want you to walk in all these things. He doesn't want you walk according to God's plan. Um, but this is where many Christians will kind of wave the white flag, uh, give up, quit, because walking with the Lord is hard. Again, we uh, maybe come in with uh, some preconceptions that Christianity is going to be just awesome and easy and, and, and just a cakewalk and things are going to be so much better. But as we dig in and we begin to see what God would want for us as a believer, as a soldier in the army, it's anything but that. It's a battle and it, and it comes on some days fiercer than others. Um, but too many times we do wave the white flag and surrender and this is, um, puts us and takes us right out of the uh, combat mode. Puts us again on the inactive duty list. And we're doing all this stuff ourselves. The enemy doesn't even really have to do anything. Uh, we just kind of do it all on our own. Um, and then the, the primary one we're going to talk about today, uh, that one way we take ourselves out of uh, the fight or, or don't stand up against the enemy is that uh, we don't put on our armor. And uh, today we're going to talk about that. Probably put most of our time to this today, but the armor is a metaphor uh, used by Paul uh, to describe the defensive equipment that God gives us uh, to defend against the army. He gives us to believers. Uh, Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why has God given us the, the armor? To stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. And the devil has many. He has many up his sleeve. He has more combat plans than you and I uh, can ever dream of. Uh, the devil has uh, ways that he lies, he cheats, he steals, any way he can to destroy his way into the life of a Christian soldier or destroy the life of a Christian soldier and put us on um, inactive duty. That's his only goal when it comes to Christians. Um, he doesn't have to deal with the world so much because they're, they're already his. Make sense? It's you and I that uh, the enemy and his unseen realm uh, engage in battle, and it's with you and I. Uh, sure, he wants to seek out them, he wants to kill and destroy them, uh, but they're already in um, inactive duty. Uh, it's you and I that he is after. Um, placing uh, you and I on inactive duty uh, is his primary goal, like we talked. But even though 
the war has been already won. I think we can be lulled into a inactive duty mode knowing that it's like, you ever heard anybody say um, they're riding the, cru the Christian cruise line to, to heaven? Uh, that's what we can be like sometimes as Christians, you know, we can get on the cruise line and, you know, look for our umbrella drinks and kick back in our chair and just, you know, kind of get to heaven. Uh, that's not the real Christian life that God wants for us because uh, the enemy basically has put us on this inactive duty. The armor is there so that the Christian can stand against uh, these attacks by the enemy. The enemy wants to knock you down and make you inactive. And so the armor's there to stand. Uh, but we have a slight problem. The enemy's invisible. It's not like you can see this enemy. And we've been talking about that in this series, how, how important it is that we know that the enemy is real. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our enemies cannot be seen. Uh, they are in another realm other than our realm, but they are not fake either. And I think that's a thing that we uh, can often convince ourselves of is that the enemy's not real. We wrestle every day with an enemy that is far from fake. Um, when I was young, I remember sitting at my grandfather's house, and this is dating myself a little bit, but black and white TV, sitting and watching big time wrestling. My grandfather just loved this big time wrestling thing. And, and there was a, a, a module of that that was right here in Detroit area. And it, it was crazy, but my grandfather would sit in front of that TV and, and like get angry with the TV because his wrestler wasn't winning. And I remember talking to him and we'd be watching stuff like Abdul the Butcher and Bobo Brazil, Haystack Calhoun, Leaping Larry Shane, Flying Fred Curry, Dick the Bruiser, you remember, might remember him from radio, and The Sheik, just to name a few. But I can remember asking my grandfather, is this stuff real? Like, I'm just a little kid, and I remember, I go, I'm, this isn't real, Grandpa. And he'd look at me like, um, like I just asked him if Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny was real, you know? And he would say, um, yeah, of course it is. And then he'd go back to uh, watching TV. And, you know, of course, I knew it wasn't real. You know, I'm just a little guy. But then I became a father, and I have two boys, and all of a sudden they get interested in this thing called WWF, which is just a modern version, right, of big-time wrestling. So now my boys end up watching Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Jake the Snake Roberts. These were posters they had in their room, and wrestling buddies. I don't know if anybody remembers wrestling buddies, but they had these things, and Andre the Giant and all this. And then they asked the question, <laughs> Dad, is this real? And I said, of course it is, son. Of course this is real. But unfortunately, many of us as Christians ask the same question about our enemy, about the one that we wrestle with, and we say, is this real? Of course it is. This is a real war, a real battle that we're in. Um, but ours is a spiritual one. 
Uh, we can't see the enemy, but that's why we need spiritual armor. So what Paul goes on to do here is to give like tangible things or a metaphor for you and I to let us think about a piece of a, a soldier's army, but he's really talking about the spiritual armor, the armor that you can't see. So let's um, go to um, Ephesians 6, 13. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor, emphasis on whole armor here, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. So the armor's purpose here, the armor's purpose uh, is that um, it's to be, is to make it so we can stand against these attacks, but remember it must be taken up and put on. That's an interesting um, words that Paul uses there. You know, if our armor's just laying around on the floor, you can imagine a, a, a regular Roman soldier, for say, or a, a U.S. Army infantryman just has all this armor and it's just laying there on the floor, and then the enemy attacks, he's going to have to do one of two things. He's going to have to scramble to get it on or he's going to be defeated before he even starts. So anyways, the armor is given so that we can withstand uh, or stand when the enemy attacks. Have you ever noticed that there are certain times when the uh, enemy seems to attack, um, like the attacks are more intense than other times? Uh, that helps you understand that this, this is real. Uh, he can't handle us all at the same time. Uh, so the Satan and his army are, you know, obviously got uh, their job and their combat plans and all this too. Uh, but we are many, we are many, and, uh, but so are they. I had a, a pastor friend tell me one time, he says, uh, we have a, a mighty enemy. Uh, he says, aren't you glad that we have an almighty God? Uh, and that has always stuck with me when I kind of get in this mode of, man, it's, it's kind of intense. You know, I know I have this enemy that I can't see, and he's pretty powerful, and he's mighty. But uh, please remember, we have an almighty God, and if you're a child of God, you're in his army, and to no avail. But uh, Paul talks about the evil day. Um, it could be the evil day could be when those attacks are pretty intense. The evil day could be, um, you know, maybe uh, any time the, the enemy attacks. Uh, it could be talking about the evil day. What I don't want you to think, and I don't believe the scriptures are pointless in this thing, is that the evil day is somewhere in the future that it's never... You know, we may never even see that. No, the, the enemy attacks each and every day, if you're a Christian. Uh, it may be more intense. Uh, and remember, he does this with the world, our outside influences of the world. He attacks our flesh, our inner being, who we are, right? And it is Satan that himself that leads these attacks and, and uh, sends his army out. So... For the next little bit, we're going to go through the pieces. We're going to go through them fairly quickly. Uh, you could do a couple hours on these pretty easy and talk about them. But for today's purposes, we're going to kind of look at some of these. So Ephesians 6, 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having your feet shod or shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
Um, notice again, all these pieces are spiritual armor. When it comes to about talking about um, truth, righteousness, and peace. All that's the spiritual side of the armor. But Paul gives us actual pieces to kind of put our brain in and use as a metaphor to help us understand what those spiritual um, pieces are. Um, so he uses this soldier armor um, mentality to continually to draw out these truths. So the first three pieces are interesting to me. Uh, he uses the word having uh, when he describes them. So it's like they're already supposed to be put on. Having put on these or having these things and having this. And I believe that's what he's aiming at here. The second three we're going to look at, we'll notice that they are items that need to be picked up. It's almost like we need to be reminded to pick these ones up uh, more than the others. But we're going to look at them one by one and make sure we understand how to do this. So the first order of business for a soldier is to have our waist girded with a belt. Um, you can imagine, um, let's just talk about the clothing in Paul's day, a lot looser than our 501 skinny jeans that we wear today. Uh, draped clothing needed a belt. Well, it was hard to run or to be ready in that kind of clothing for any kind of um, attack or any kind of movement right or left. So that what they would do, they would use a sash or a, 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 a girdle or a belt to tie it all together around the waist, but then they would grab it from the bottom and they would take it and tuck it in their belt. And so you can imagine what this allowed them to do. It allowed them to be ready for action or to move or to run or step back or move forward, go to the right, go to the left with no hindrance whatsoever. So he uses this analogy or this metaphor for us in relationship to truth. Um, so truth then, when the enemy attacks, we must have our belt already in place. Um, we need to be alert uh, for when the enemy lies. The opposite of truth is a lie, right? So if, if Paul can get anything across to us today is we need to know the truth, we need to have the truth already on because if the enemy attacks and we don't have the truth or we don't know the truth, it's too late. He already wins. He already takes us down. He already puts us on the inactive duty list. But by knowing the truth in advance uh, and knowing what we know to be true you can see how this can allow us to stand. Uh, unfortunately, many Christians make the mistake of engaging in conversations. I see these on Facebook all the time. Christians that um, start saying things and they have no idea what they're saying. It's, not, it's because they haven't been prepared with the truth. And we start talking almost like agreeing with the enemy's lies. Uh, when we do this, we, uh, the enemy has us. He knocks us down. He's already got us where he wants us. Uh, there are many lies, but there's only one truth when it comes to God and his truth. Uh, so we must be alert and prepared with the truth even before the enemy attacks. Uh, next up on the list is having the, uh, put on the breastplate. 
Uh, this one might be a little self-explanatory. Breast is on our chest area. The soldier would wear it. He would wear it because it would um, protect his vital organs. Uh, that's probably my takeaway on the breastplate is that if en the enemy's ever going to get to you, uh, he can take you down, right, by just getting to your vital organs. Um, if, he, if the enemy in, in, in the war, anyhow, in, uh, in battle, if he penetrated your chest cavity or uh, your heart, your lungs, your, any of those vital organs, you were down. You were out. So righteousness is attached to our breastplate uh, for good reasons. Because it's who we are. It's our inner person, righteousness. Uh, and this isn't talking about the righteousness that comes by being right with God necessarily. Uh, that is a true righteousness that comes. That, gets, that righteousness makes us right with God when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. But this righteousness is really the fruit of being attached to Jesus. The fruit of being a child of God. A fruit from being in God's army. And that is our integrity. It's who we are on the inside. And when the enemy attacks um, us, he wants to attack our integrity, who we are. So the question comes is how do we act every single day out at, in our school, in our businesses, in our workplace, um, anywhere we're out. Um, this is what the enemy wants to attack. Um, it's called a breastplate because righteousness protects the inner being or the heart of a man. Uh, I heard this quote one time. I don't know who used it, but I'm, I'm going to repeat it. It says, observe a soldier lacking integrity, and you will observe a soldier that God can no longer use. Um, it's so true. If you've ever seen a, a person, in, um, especially in Christian leadership or any thing like that, and when that Christian lacks integrity or falls um, according to uh, maybe a, a trick of the devil or the scheme of the devil, what happens to everything that's underneath of him? When he falls, he, now you don't believe anything, anything more that comes out of, your, out of his mouth. And then the other thing is it, you don't believe, maybe even believe, start to question some of the things that he did say. Uh, and these are very bad for the Christian. I hate it all the time. It's um, one of the greatest um, comebacks to when I invite people to church or to ask them, if, have they trusted their, uh, Jesus to, uh, for their eternity and want them to come to church and things like this, they will say, you guys are just a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, but that's where this comes from. Uh, Christians known to be Christian don't act in integrity. And so the enemy does. He takes us right out. He puts us on inactive duty by doing so. The next one up is um, our, having our feet shod um, with something. Uh, so could you imagine fighting hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat with no shoes on? I'm such a tenderfoot. I was walking across our gravel driveway yesterday uh, with no shoes on. And the whole time I'm just going, ooh, ow, ee. You know, the whole, the whole uh, trip across the driveway. Uh, but could you imagine being a soldier in battle and you, the, the enemy's charges and you're like, going, oh, ow, oh, wait, time out, wait, wait, hold on. You know, no. 
That's the point of having good uh, shoes on your feet is so that you can stand and you can be ready for the battle, ready for when the enemy comes. Uh, so it's, it's correlated with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, of course, the gospel in itself is good news, right? And that's what the, really the word gospel means. It means good news. Uh, the, the Christian soldier should stand firm in his mind or her mind uh, prepared with the good news of peace. Uh, not necessarily the gospel itself, which is not wrong. You should be prepared with the gospel. But this is probably talking more about the idea when the enemy comes, are you standing firm in your own heart with the gospel of peace? And so that mean, could mean peace with God, but it also can mean um, the, uh, peace of God. And so I want to talk about those for a quick second. Um, when you asked, uh, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you did that, uh, and asked him to forgive you of your sin, for the very first time in your life, you had um, peace with God. And why is that? Well, because you were on the other team until that moment. Uh, you were not in God's army. You were on, in Satan's army. Remember how at the beginning today we talked about the transfer. That's why he doesn't like it anymore. Uh, if you gave your life to Christ, then guess what? Uh, you're in God's army. And now you have peace um, with God. But you also have the peace, um, you have peace with God. And um, what that means there, being uh, the peace with God, sorry, I'm getting upside down here. Um, the peace with God we just talked about, but we also have the peace of God. So knowing, knowing that you are a child of God, when the enemy attacks, you already know that the, the war has been won, right? How much peace does that give you when the enemy attacks? It gives me great peace knowing that yeah, I'm in a battle at this moment, and I know why the enemy's attacking. He's trying to make me inactive. But I, I have the peace of God because I'm already his. So it's kind of like the fruit of being, having peace with God. Um, but there's more. Ephesians 6.16 says this, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. As we um, reviewed earlier, there were three pieces that must uh, be picked up, and these are those three pieces. Uh, first, we're going to take up the shield. It says the shield, um, now this one's a little different. A uh, shield, we probably think about Captain America, yep, and his little <laughs> shield. Well, actually, Roman uh, shields were much larger. They're actually a decent width and a decent height. You know, two and a half feet wide, they say, and four, four and a half feet tall. And the idea of this shield was that you could crouch down behind it and get behind the entire thing, that it would protect your entire body and every other vital uh, part of your body. And this is why faith is attached to it, because faith is trust, right? When we talk about faith, that's really what faith is. Faith is putting your trust in something. And so it's called a shield because we put our faith in God and we put our faith in 
the Lord. So when these fiery arrows come, we can pick up our faith and put it in front of ourselves. And what it means by picking it up is regarding faith is actually exercising our faith. For you and me, it's easy to go around and say, you know, I have the Christian bumper sticker, I have the cross hanging from my mirror, um, and I'm a Christian. But that's just lip service to some extent, right? But where the real rubber meets the road for as, us as Christians is when the enemy attacks. Are we going to put our faith and trust in God, or are we going to lean on our understanding, our own understanding? Um, hopefully, we exercise our faith. Um, even if one of those fiery arrows has a tendency to stick in your shield of faith, uh, what's interesting is that they used to coat their shields in the Roman army with fire retardant stuff, uh, leather, and some other things. So even if it stuck, uh, it would put that fiery arrow out. And I know we've all been in these battles with the unseen realm, and we know the enemy's attacking. He's firing some of his best arrows, and they're on fire. And they even stick once in a while. But here's the thing. Above all, our faith should extinguish any, any arrow that the enemy can fling at us. Uh, he also talks about taking up the helmet. The reason that soldiers wore a helmet's a little more obvious to me and you probably. Uh, even today, uh, helmets are worn. Uh, football players wear them. Um, bike riders wear them, construction workers wear them, all to what? Protect what's inside our, our skull. Why protect the head? It's where our brain is, right? It's where the, the, everything about us functions because of our brain, because of our head. It's where all of our emotions are, it's where all of our activity comes from. All of our body, other body parts are controlled uh, by our brain. So why wouldn't the enemy attack our brain? Well, he will. And that's why we're told to put on the helmet of salvation. So our spiritual helmet is called the helmet of salvation for a reason. Because the enemy can get in our head. He can tell us that we're not really God's. See, we're not really on God's side. There isn't really a God. He can use the world to convince us of that, of all the scientific discoveries that are out there today and all these different things that are there to detour us. He can get us uh, by attacking our flesh, um, just really crazy schemes that the enemy can use to get inside our head to tell us that we are not uh, gods or we are not saved. Um, but future salvation for me, and I hope it is for you, gives me courage to stand in the battle. Uh, when I'm standing there and I know I'm fighting against some of the hardest things I've ever had to fight against, um, it is comforting to me. It is, it is a good thing for me to know that this battle isn't going to last forever, that this is only temporary. It's only f during my time here, uh, at worst case, that one day, I, true salvation, I will be in heaven for all of eternity with a God that loves me. So the battle could be short, but we need that assurance of salvation that is protected by our helmet. Uh, and then it talks about the sword. In the, Paul's day, the sword was a 
probably a little more of a short dagger than some of the things we see on the movies nowadays. But what's interesting about this sword is that it wasn't always an offensive weapon. And then I know it's talked about sometimes in Scripture, and people, um, commentaries uh, on this will talk about how it's our only offensive weapon. Uh, to me, I see it more as a defensive weapon. Uh, it's when the enemy comes in for the kill. When he's coming in for the, um, you know, to really get us and to put us out of action and put us on that disabled list, uh, that's when we get this, uh, have in our right hand, our dominant hand. If you're left-handed, you have it in your left hand, your shield in the other. When the enemy's coming, this is when the sword comes out. And the scriptures say that it is powered, this sword is powered by the Holy Spirit. And of course, this is the Word of God. In the same way that the real soldier uses his word, uh, sword to defend against the enemy, uh, we have the Word of God. Um, which really is interesting to me is um, the more you know about um, the Word, and the more you commit it to memory, the more you can commit it to your life, it seems like a little, your sword gets a little sharper every time, doesn't it? Um, I had a mentor one time tell me, he said, it's hard for the Spirit of God to bring to memory something that we have not studied. So when, it's really interesting, isn't it? If, if this is one where the enemy really comes in to kill us and really coming into the kill, and if we're standing there with this little teeny little jackknife, small little knife because we haven't studied and because we haven't learned the word and we haven't been in the word, uh, it's not going to be much of a defense, is it? Uh, do you remember when uh, Jesus was attacked in this way and he was attempted by the devil himself? What did he use? He used the word of God. And uh, I'd just, I, I would love to go through all of Matthew 4 with you and how all the different things that he combated um, the devil with the word. But I want to put on the screen for you the result of him doing that. Matthew 4.11 says this, Then the devil left him. The devil left him. The devil left him alone. Why? Because there was nothing that can defend against God's word. So we reviewed all of the army. We did it, armor. We did it really quickly. Um, but I want you to really kind of re uh, think about this. We must pick up each piece. So there are things that we have to do. We're not just saved and then everything gets all peachy keen. Uh, understanding that we're in a battle and we can feel these battles. We know these things are coming at us daily, but I want us to remember that we must have to uh, pick them up and put on each piece. Uh, it talks about the whole armor of God. Uh, it'd be silly for us just to grab the, the shield and not put on our helmet for the day or not have our sword with us or any of the other pieces of the armor. So, uh, as we conclude here, I'll have Dave uh, kind of come up and kind of play as we end, but I want to read something out of uh, Ephesians 6.18 because many times when we look at the pieces of armor, we leave this part of our armor off. It says, praying always 
with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We pray knowing we can only defend against our enemies with God's strength. All these pieces of armor we need, but they need to come in the power and in the might of God. We acknowledge God's power by actually praying. We acknowledge that we are weak and that we need him. Uh, when we pray, we ask God to give us strength to endure the battle and give us the victory um, and not be placed on inactive duty. Man, that just bothers me this week when I th thought about this idea of being put on inactive duty. Just kind of being a Christian, but not really in the battle. Pray always, the scriptures say. Pray for others while being watchful and with all perseverance or to pers persist in praying. Um, there's a parable I want to finish the day with of Jesus that kind of talks about a widow who wanted justice from her adversary or the person that was against her. And I thought it was such a great analogy of us in the battle and us uh, against our enemy. Luke 18 tells this parable, and this is Jesus, of course, and he says this. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. Isn't that interesting? If we don't pray, that means we've lost heart. I thought about that this week and thought, man, how many times have I lost heart? I kind of give up, didn't pray. Saying, there was a certain city um, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regarded man. So this judge didn't know the Lord. Nor there, uh, now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming, she wearies me. Then the Lord said, hear what the just judge said. He's beginning to explain this parable to the hearers and to you and me. He says, and God shall not, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will, really, will he really find faith on earth? So the challenge is here, will we pray? Will we be persistent? Will we pray for others as well as ourselves? God promises to avenge the attacks of our adversary. The unrighteous judge, he just got it. It was just somebody nagging. That's why he gave in. That's not God. God loves us and cares for us. And if we're willing to pray to him and we're willing to go to him and ask for justice from our, um, our enemy, he will give it. So for the next few moments, just do exactly that. 
if you find yourself not picking up the pieces of armor or not every one of them, or maybe there's a piece that came to your mind through the Spirit that you've not picked up for a while and you've left there uh, and not put it on, maybe you'll want to ask God for forgiveness and ask Him to help you and give you the courage to put that piece back on. Um, maybe He's revealed to you that you're not even in God's army at all that you're, you're still on the side of the devil. Well, prayer can change that too. Uh, it's pretty simple. Just gotta admit that you know this, that you know that you're not on God's side, that you know that you're on, in enemy territory. You know that you have, your, your leader is the prince of this world. And if you do that, you confess that to him, confess your sins to him. He is righteous to forgive us of our sins. He says that. And then just commit your life to him. That simple. You can talk to him. You can do that if that's you. But if whatever it is you need to pray for, let's just take a couple minutes and pray, and then I'll come back and close this for the day. Let's pray. God, you've given us everything we need to withstand the tricks, the schemes of our adversary, the devil. Lord, we just need to pick them up. We just need to put them on. And we must need just to trust you in prayer and come to you and realize that you alone can help us. So Lord, as we go out today and whether the attacks have been even during our time together or the moment we walk out the door, Lord, may we know going that you are on our side. That you love us, you care for us, you've left us here with a purpose. So Lord, Please, if we find ourselves today on the inactive duty list, may we be re-enlisted. Be encouraged today in your power and in your might. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we go out today, just got the simple charge. I try to give you a challenge every single week. It's simply pick it up, put it on, pray. So go out, get some more soldiers, go out and train a few more, and we'll see you back next week at the Journey Church. Have a blessed day.